Hello and welcome back to the Villa Filler podcast. I'm here as always with my good friend Dan Wiseman. Dan, Crystal Palace 3, Aston Villa 2. First of all, mate, how are you doing? Um, I'd be a lot better if that scoreline was reversed, mate. Yeah. To be honest with you, is, is my honest assessment of that question. But um, no, basically, it's all been summed up in the sort of the last um, like five or so minutes since you before you joined me, actually. So I came upstairs, you know, you've been working. You're, you're, you know, you're doing the most at the moment, mate. I think we actually need to give you some uh, some appreciation on air about the, like the grind that you're going through the other day. Like, I loved your tweet the other day about saying, you know, you were popping questions to Carlo Ancelotti one day and the next you were on your break at Mackey's. I mean, mate, if that isn't holding down the grind and keeping it real, I don't know what is, mate. So you're doing the most at the moment. I do want to give you some appreciation on air for that because... Uh, I appreciate that, man. That's, that's some serious hard work, mate. Um, but I come upstairs, you know, and I'm setting up the Zoom call for you, and I'm like getting all my, my podcast out, getting my mic out, the stand, and everything like that. And like in sort of like a bit of a huff, I guess, I, I put my ring light down on the table, and it just snaps it off. <laughs> Mine's done the same, actually. Just cleaning, like the whole the stand just came off, and I just sort of sat there, and like you ever know, just like been so sort of annoyed at this point, you just stare at it. I just like looked at this ring light, I was like, not my day. Not my day, but I'm all the better for seeing you, mate, for sure. Likewise, mate, likewise. And again, you know, it's dangerous to lose you there. Uh, much like the United game, haven't seen the whole of this, so this is essentially going to be me kind of trying to pry information from Dan uh, about this game. I've seen the highlights. I've, I've been updated with my dad as soon as I got through the door. Dan's given me a quick synopsis. But Dan, I mean, first of all, from what I've seen, Villa, first half, it was very good. And I think this is a performance in the first half that I think we were hoping for, that we were... Uh, maybe expecting because, you know, before this, we were kind of looking at these final seven and Palace and Everton were the two where you were thinking Villa really need to pick up points against these. Looking at, obviously, we've got Tottenham and Chelsea next. We've played Manchester City, Manchester United recently. And, you know, Villa come out of the gates. John McGinn scores, of all people as well. Again, I feel like every podcast, Dan, there's a redemption story because everybody yeah. is so quick to write off these players. And it really does... It has me racking my brains at times. I think it's you're more than fair to kind of criticise um, performances and that. But I feel like we have very short memories. We have very short memories. And uh, it sounds as, again, you know, just so I'm not completely shutting down anyone who's uh, saying they don't rate McGinn. It sounds like he's had a, a game, you know, a very two, a different two halves uh, in this game, Dan. But John McGinn has not scored a goal in the longest time. I'm sure you can tell me when he last scored a goal in the Premier League, Dan. And he takes it really well. And it's, again, it's one of the things, Dan, we, we always kind of say, you know, Villa create a lot of chances, but they don't actually take a lot of shots. And as that early cross is teed in by Elmo, the Palace defence are relatively well set, but their midfield hasn't really quite adjusted uh, to, to pick up the run of McGinn. He just takes it on first time and just strokes it in. It's a wonderful goal to put Villa on the up, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. Um, and it was a nice sort of, very nice start to the afternoon for John McGinn, who obviously captains the side. Um, he's off Aston Villa's fifth captain of the season after Jack, Tyrone, Elmo, and quite famously Dominic Ravan, who captained the club uh, against Liverpool, obviously in the cup. Um, so McGinn, our fifth captain of the season, it must have been a nice moment for him personally to, to lead that side out. Um, and the goal was really nice. I feel like they, they played it. Obviously, you won't have seen it, but they played it down a little bit on Sky because it gets a slight def deflection off James McCarthy. 
Um, and that's sort of the angle that they took on Sky saying that that was what put, took it past Jack Butland and ultimately left the keeper with very little chance. But I think McGinn deserves real credit for how he comes onto that ball because I think you see so many players in that situation just run onto that, lean back, and it goes straight into Rosette. Do you know what I mean? Well, you see John McGinn do that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. I think it takes quite a, um, quite a cool head to sort of come onto that, open your body up, Take it on with your left foot as well, which obviously I know is is sort of trademark McGinn uh, in in some situations. But to, to sort of have the nous to not take that on with the right foot, and I, I think it was it was re- a really nice goal, mate. And I think it's some that what was quite a nice start to the game for Villa. You know, we dominated from the first whistle, but as the game proved as it went on, we really failed to stamp our authority on the game after going ahead. We sort of let the game become transitional again we let crystal palace gain confidence um i mean and and that that i think was a consistent problem for villa throughout the game yeah and i mean palace they came back swift reply some nice footwork from from zaha uh, in in the kind of initial build up and then that ball that gets played into big chris is it's vintage chris isn't it you know he's going to score there um it's unlucky. He, I think, you know, they've done their homework. I'm not sure why Mings wasn't in the squad. I'm going to assume uh, injury through, uh, you know, his, his little collision with Emmy at the end of the last game. Dean didn't really say anything in the press conference to us about that. Um, and, you know, massive Courtney fans on the podcast. I know there's people, uh, it is a vocal minority who do think Courtney is owed a bit of a better chance. But, you know, if you're going to do your homework, Big Chris is obviously going to put himself on Courtney rather than Esri Cancer, isn't he? And, it's a good goal. You, you can argue that Villa need to deal with the cross a little bit better, maybe. But, you know, they create a nice little overload there, Palace do. And uh, without, uh, no, no Matty Cash was there, you know, we've got Elmo playing right back. And a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter going, oh, well, you know, El Mahamedi, uh, he's done whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think you can't, I find it difficult to kind of criticise Elmo because we know where he's at. Like, of course, he is not Matty Cash. And, that, you know, it's been evident since we signed Elmo what the flaws are in his game. But I feel like it's just kind of, especially, you know, near the end of the season, it's one of them things where it's like, well, you kind of got to expect these things from Elmo. And I know you shouldn't really, but he's not going to be at the club next year. Uh, Freddie Gilbert will hopefully be coming back as the backup right back for Matty Cash because, you know, it's, <laughs> it's clear from these past two games, mate, that we really have missed the right back, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, look, the defence was... I don't think it was necessarily the defence that was poor today. Again, I don't really think the midfield did the back four too much justice. But I think Villa's the reason why Villa's defence has been so good this season is because of the consistency we've been able to achieve. I mean, that back five, as it is with the goalkeeper involved, is, is nailed on, isn't it, Dan? The, yeah. the rest of the squad is, is pretty much up for debate. But that back five is, is nailed on. And when you make two changes to that and you're almost swapping out half of that back line, it's going to cause problems. And I mean... Before this game, Palace has scored just twice in their last six home games. And so they, they've really struggled to score at Selhurst Park recently. And today, they had 20, 23 shots, which was their highest since February 2019. So, you know, this side who have really been stagnating in attack in recent games, in, in you know, haven't had that many shots since what, more than two years ago now. Um, Villa allowed than that and I think that's Villa fans biggest gripe today is look I don't think anyone had a particularly great game I think 
uh, like I don't think anyone's particularly poorly either in that back line. You know, there's not one player you can go like that Benteco goal, mate. I think to be honest with you, I just hold my hands up there and go, that's a good goal. I have no yeah. what more what more can you do? The the way that Benteke gets up towers over Courtney, and I don't think that's Courtney's fault. You know, we all know the hang time that Benteke can achieve when he just gets up into positions like that uh, on the back of the defender. It's unstoppable. The head is great. I, what more? Yeah, you can, you know, the cliche is always, you know, stop the cross, stop the cross, but you can only do so much. And and I don't, I don't particularly have too much beef with that goal personally. But I mean, Courtney didn't have his best game, but he played as about as well as you can expect, given how little he's played recently. I mean, you can't be coming into that back line and, and putting in 10 out of 10s when you haven't played in, in months. I think we miss Tyrone's leadership and his voice, because even those who, who don't necessarily... Um, Lord Tyrone, perhaps as, as much as they should have, we you know we know that he is a player that unfortunately divides the Villa fan base. I don't think anyone could. I mean, you are better suited to talk about this than anyone, mate. Being there, you, you've been to so many games, mate. And the first thing you know, I always say is, oh, what do you see? What can you smell? What can you hear? Because I miss all those things about Villa Park. And you always say the one thing that you can hear is Tyrone Mings, and I don't think that's a, a quality of his that can be underestimated. No, it's not. And, you know, I, I was actually going to bring that up just then, mate. So it was a wonderful segue. It's, you know, you can you can criticise Ty for being lackadaisical at times. You can criticise him for being too casual, too nonchalant. But Villa need a leader out there. And there aren't many leaders with, a, you know, a real voice on this in, in this squad, on this pitch. I think Emmy's a fantastic leader. He's, again, one that you can always hear. But you shouldn't be having your goalkeeper commanding, you know, what the, the ongoings of the whole page. Goalkeepers should never be captains. I, I it's my biggest pet peeve in football. Hugo Lloris is not a captain. No, Give I the agree, armband to Harry Kane. It does my head in that Tottenham have Hugo Lloris as a captain. And you know, Emmy they have they have a you know somewhat of an advantage being able to see the game unfold to a certain extent, but you need someone who is either at the back or in the middle of the game that can really get stuck in. And you know, as I say. I, I keep banging on about it every time, Dan. We, we do a podcast because Ty gets a lot of stick. But I guarantee the 10,000 people that are lucky enough to go to the Chelsea game, they'll realise how important Tyrone Mings actually is to this squad. Because it's not, you know, I sit at the back of the North Stand. Again, we're frauds, heart of the whole, I know. You can't <laughs> hear them, right? I'll always remember going to Loftus Road for QPR away. It was a Tuesday night. I think we drew, no, I think they, they beat us 2-1. It was the promotion year. Um, and I was five rows from the front and all I could hear, all I could hear was Axel and Oyam communicating. And you don't get afforded that at Villa Park because it's a big stadium, you know, not, you can't, you're not close to the pitch, it's very open, but it's only when you go to these away days, when you go to your Rotherham's, when you go to your QPR's like that, you can actually, it, 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 you kind of appreciate football for, you know, just kind of, you know, as the sport you grew up and played a bit more because I feel like we you know there's some sort of disconnect these are of course elite level athletes um we just kind of assume it comes naturally but you know you hear everything that you'd be saying to your teammates on the Sunday league pitches that you did when you were you know when you were 12 when you were 13 whatever um and I think you know the same kind of goes to to kind of harp it back to that uh the clip that went viral of of Mings telling Barkley to fuck off on Twitter that's normal. People make, people turn that into something that absolutely isn't. And I guarantee if the camera was on Barkley, Barkley's yeah. probably told him to fuck off as well because that's just how it goes. If, if you guys think that, you know, you play football without clashing with your mates and I don't think you've been playing football correctly. I think, Dan, the amount of <laughs> yeah. times we've, you know, oh, 
five oh. aside at uni, mate, we go mental. We go it's mental, our teammates. It, you know, they were they were big games. Um, <laughs> I've digressed a bit there, but yeah, Tyrone's leadership was was clearly missed today. But again, Dan, back to another player who, again, fans seem to enjoy right enough. He scored his ninth goal in the Premier League this season, Dan. He's been included in the Netherlands, I think, provisional 30-man squad. Mm-hmm. Anwar El Ghazi. This is vintage Anwar as well. Ball at the back post, ice in his veins with the finish first time. I'm just so happy. I'm so happy for Anwar personally. Uh, obviously, he's just finished um, with Ramadan as well. It was Eid the other day, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So it's nice to know that, you know, he won't be fasting. So, you know, maybe performances, he'll get better performances because, you know, more nutrition, that kind of stuff. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's a vintage Anwar goal and it's a shame. You know, it's a worthy match winner if, if you're going off the first half, aren't you? I think that that kind of, almost personified the first half. It personified the resilience that Anwar Ghazi has. And again, I just love seeing him prove the doubt was wrong, man, because so many people have tried to write him, again, Douglas off in recent weeks. And, you know, he's here to stay. He's scored so many important goals for the Villa, Dan, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I, that's, again, another positive that's come out today. And I think the way you have to break down Anwar's numbers is like, has now double figures for the season in all comps, um, which is you know a fantastic return from a player who's been not con- consistently starting. You know, at the start of the season, Trezeguet was getting that nod. Bertrand Suarez, the new signing, and he, who's had a very good season in his own right, has also rightly you know commanded himself a lot of game time. And so, when you look at Anwar's numbers in terms of just fifteen starts, having nine Premier League goals is is quite the return. And I think you talked at the top of this podcast mate about players who perhaps feel like they have to play to prove a point you know it's like other players can have bad games and are afforded the luxury of playing the next game you know you you think of like John McGinn who for a large proportion of this season wasn't firing on all cylinders for whatever reason that may have been nine times out of ten found himself in the starting lineup the next week and John's a very important player to this squad but in those winger spots you do feel like with Anwar or Trezeguet when they're both fit I know we haven't had that option, but one plays badly one game, the other one gets dropped in. Those two, those positions, and one must feel like he constantly has to play well in every game to to nail himself down in the next one, especially with Jack coming back. You know, he must be looking over his shoulder and thinking, well, me or Bertrand are going to miss out here. And there's always a tendency in football to, to lean towards your new signing, isn't there? You know, Bertrand's just come in in the summer. Managers want to play their new players. And, and that's the way that football works. There's a bias towards those kind of players. So Anwar must be looking over his shoulder. But he's delivering. He really is. Yeah. And I think you, to the point now where I think it's Bertrand that's sacrificed, given how he's playing. Um, and I think when Jack is eventually fit, that's the, the sub he'll make. But, you know, in terms of Anwar, for him to now, that's the first time he's hit double figures since he was playing for Ajax, which is also when he was last involved with the Dutch national team. He got called up for their qualifiers to the 2016 Euros. Um, it's it's looking promising for Anwar, and I, I can't think of a better reward for all the crap he's got this season, especially our fans. You know, he's deleted all his socials. People are quick to forget. People are, you know... Maybe your praise be as loud as your disrespect, I think one certain Villa player said. Um, and, you know, for the season he's gone through, if he makes the Euros at the end of it, that'll be some beautiful, beautiful scenes, mate. I, I absolutely love that. And I'm sure you would too. 100%, man. He's pound for pound, arguably one of Villa's better signings in recent years, paid around the 5 million mark. It was like 7 million euros, I think, after the loan. 
Um, especially when you're comparing that to another winger that left Lille, Nicola Pepe, who cost yeah, Arsenal £72 true. million, pounds, and Anwar has outperformed him, not only this season, but last season as well, which is, of course, important. And talking about pound-for-pound pound signings, uh, insane value. Emi Martinez, wonderful save from uh, a Benteke header from a corner. Yeah. Again, there's, there's, I've run out of words to describe how good Emi Martinez is, and I can't wait for for people to actually, you know, witness that greatness live. Because again, I appreciate I'm in a very privileged position where I've been able to go and watch the games and uh, have a bit of a sort of deeper understanding of how this team kind of is, because it's not the same on TV. We're going to get back to the ground. And I feel like after the, obviously, because we're not there, it's one of them things where, you kind of need to, I mentioned this in our last podcast, when something, something bad happens, you kind of vent, you get it out of your system, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it, like, it's, it's not even that deep the next day, but we're kind of sat here mulling on things, getting on Twitter with, you know, there's nothing else to do. People are still furloughed. We're not back in the grounds. We're still locked down. Um, people don't have anything better to do. And we're kind of getting ourselves worked up over a lot. We're, we're safe. <laughs> We've got two games left. Like, it's, it's fine. I appreciate football is a massive escape for people but I think we do probably put a bit too much on it at times and I'm, I'm guilty of that you know Villa heavily influences my mood it heavily influences your mood Dan. I mean we do we do a podcast about Villa you know we can't say it doesn't it dictates our life Aston Villa is dictating our life right now Dan um, but I feel like you know that kind of uh, gloom doom and gloom after a loss you know by the time you're in the train by the time you're in the car on the way back it doesn't really matter. Um, so I feel like it's just one of them ones. Again, I know sometimes we get people in the comment, you know, we try, we try to be optimistic. It's not for no reason. I think, uh, you know, obviously we've had a bit of time to mull on this, Dan, not as much as, as some of the other podcasts we've done recently, but I mean, you shouldn't lose to Crystal Palace again. I'm not really excusing that. Um, but they've not been a great side. They kind of feel like they're coming to the end of this sort of Hodgson tenure, aren't they? I think with, with Frank Lampard available, with Eddie Howe available. I think there are managers that, you know, uh, there's an appealing project for. I think they've got very exciting players. They've got, uh, a, you know, a new stadium on the horizon, Category 1 Academy. Uh, there's a lot, you know, the Palace are a great club. Um, there's a lot of, there's a, there's, you know, there's a ceiling with Crystal Palace, I think. Um, I just don't see Roy Hodgson taking them any further than he has. They've kind of established themselves in the Premier League now. Uh, and, you know, you've just got to look at the likes of Zaha, who, you know, brings them, he equalises uh, with his goal. It's an unfortunate deflection, but I think concert kind of struggles because he doesn't really, he come, he steps out, doesn't he? And yeah. he's, not, he's not committed to showing Zaha down to the touchline until it's too late. And with a winger as good as Wolf, that's always going to happen. And as soon as that happened, Dan, I mean, by the looks of it, they just kind of knew what they had to do, didn't they? they? They really went for it. And Villa are unfortunately a side, Dan, where if you get in our faces, if you're aggressive, if you just constantly press, we'll eventually crack, won't we? Yeah. And I think, it, you know, we're banging that that game management drum, Dan. And I think if Villa are to take a step up to the next level, we need to just be able to play out second halves. You know, you, you, you see it a lot of times in, in, in modern football where 
you know, the, and I'm not saying Villa are at this stage yet, but we need to show signs of just being able to just take our foot off the gas, dictate a game for 45 minutes and, and be a dominant force, not to create too much ourselves or let the opposition create and just play pretty boring football. You know, it would be nice. And, you know, you see, you know, it's really been reminded how useful that is because when you watch, and this probably isn't a great time to talk about this actually, but I was, when you watch Tuchel's Chelsea, who didn't do this yesterday, I know, but they don't, you know, he came in and for a large portion of the time, they didn't blow sides away. They just shut up shop. They get a goal, get a second if, if it can be afforded and just play a game out. And they, they won a lot of games on the bounce, conceded very few. Playing that kind of football, and I think if Villa are to take a step up to that level, we need to just be able to control games, mate, because we go, like, we went a goal up and allowed Palace back into the game. We went 2-1 up, allowed Palace into a game. And then once you allow an opposition to do that twice, their heads go up, they gain the confidence to go on and get a third. And it is frustrating. And, you know, you, you do feel as though you're repeating yourselves a little bit talking about this. And, and that's what is bugging me is because the things that are hindering this Villa side are the same things that, that have been hindering us for a long time. And, you know, people have rightly sort of had a look at Dean for that. I saw a few people questioning his substitutions and stuff like that. And again, I have a little bit of sympathy for the gaffer there because we're not blessed with quality on the bench. You know, I saw a few people saying that, you know, typical Dino just brings on a couple of strikers to try and combat it. And yeah, I get that. I get that that's frustrating. But you look past Keenan and Wesley and you've got Barkley, who if we touches, there's an inevitable meltdown. And then, after, uh, to be fair, Nakamba is there. I, I, you know, I'll register that, but I, I get that. I think that would have been a nice sub to make. But what, beyond Nakamba, I don't think it's the right time. Oh, I'm desperate to see Carney get some minutes, mates, but I don't think that's the right environment to be bringing that kid on for his debut, you know, checking no. a 16, 17-year-old kid out there in, into that to try and, you know, stem the tide of this game. It's not the right time to do that. And we're not blessed with quality on the bench. So I, I do have a little bit of sympathy with the gaffer on that one. But yeah, no, it is frustrating, mate. But we've got two tough games coming up now to, to close out the season. And, and hopefully, you know, with that Chelsea game, with the fans there, just having one last moment to cheer to end out what's been still a very, very positive season. I think we need to keep drilling home that note, mate, where we're sat in the league. It's been such an improvement on last year. It would just be nice if we had one last throw, wouldn't it? It wouldn't matter. It would like it's 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 been difficult. Listen, it's going to be it's going to be really tough. And hopefully, you know, to segue into XG, Villa will have a bit of a better time. Although I don't really expect us to. Uh, Crystal Palace XG of two point zero one compared to Villa's one point four, which is lacklustre to say the least. So it's good. I mean, we defied XG, which is always a positive to take, but not many teams lose to Palace both on real goals and expected goals. So that is uh, a bit of a tough one to swallow for someone like me. Um, but nevertheless, Dan, we will be back. You will be back uh, yep. specifically sometime tomorrow or the day after with a preview for Aston Villa's next game. Just like to give again everyone a massive shout out who's watching the podcast recently. It's not really... Um, it's, it's not. I understand people don't want to listen when Villa aren't doing too well. It's easy... Uh, you know, you get all kinds of people. Uh, I mean, you look at the Everton game, six and a half thousand views. That's amazing. Uh, you know, that's what happens when we win and then we're struggling to break like 700. But to, you know, to the 700 of you who've watched all these podcasts, you guys are the real MVPs. This season's been mad uh, for us and for Villa. So, yeah, I think we just need to kind of try and end the season on a positive, 
I'm so happy for everybody that's uh, going to the game. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a ticket. Dan, I don't think you were either. Um, the We've both been unlucky uh, there, but listen, you guys are going to have an absolutely amazing time. We can't wait to hear all about it. We will see you very soon for another edition of the Villa Villa podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, and up the Villa.